0: Well, good evening, and we want to welcome you to tonight's training session for the Healthy Discipleship Community. And tonight we are looking at the power of contentment. We're talking about contentment and looking at what Scripture tells us and uh, teaches us about contentment, what it means, how it applies to our day-to-day lives, how we're actually called to live it out. But I would say, and I'll even mention this uh, a little bit more in detail in just a moment, Contentment isn't something that many people prize, but for us as believers, this is something that the Lord has taught us to value. So we'll spend some time together this evening talking about just the importance of contentment, how Christ fosters a heart of contentment within us, and how by His grace we have the privilege to grow in contentment as uh, our faith continues to mature. Now, a couple of things I'll say here, even before we look at the scriptures that we're going to look at together tonight, we're going to look at several different scriptures this evening, but contentment should matter to growing Christians. Contentment is something that we should care about. It's something that should matter to us. But I think we could all attest to the fact that contentment does not matter much to the consumer culture. Contentment does not matter much to advertising executives. In fact, most of the advertising that I am subject to, whether it's something that comes across my phone or across my TV or or something that I see online, is basically trying to teach me and and trying to teach you that we will only be happy or we will only be satisfied if we have something new to consume or something new to acquire or some new experience or something of that nature. But that's not really what Scripture teaches us. In fact, that's the opposite of what Scripture teaches us. Contentment, though, should matter to us as growing Christians. If we're seeking to grow in our walk with the Lord, this is something we should value. Now, I'll give you my definition of contentment, and when we open the mics up after um, I share a few things, maybe you could share some insights that, that you have about contentment and how the Lord's been speaking to your heart about this. But when I'm thinking of contentment, I'm thinking of contentment as the state of being satisfied with Jesus. And what I mean by that is this. I often say to myself, since I have Jesus, I already have what I need most. So when I'm talking about contentment, when I'm thinking about what it means to be content, I'm talking about this state of just being completely satisfied with Christ, to be satisfied with Jesus, to recognize that if we have Christ, if we have Jesus, we already have what we need most. I don't need this, and I don't need that to somehow satisfy my heart. I can be content in Christ. If I have him, I already have the most important thing that I need, a relationship with my Savior, a relationship with my Lord. And I'll say this too, contentment is a lot like joy in in that it isn't something that's dependent on circumstances. So when we talk about joy, we're talking about joy in Christ that we can have that's not dependent on circumstances. And contentment is very much like that. And there's a particular scripture we're going to be looking at in just a little while here that speaks about that very thing. But contentment, it's a lot like joy in the fact that it's not dependent on circumstances. And that means that we, we who have Christ, if you know Jesus Christ, if you're growing in your walk with Christ, if, if Christ is part of your life and you have new life through Christ, you can be content and you can be satisfied in every situation. No matter what situation you're in, you can be content. You can experience the blessing of contentment. So let's look at our first scripture for this evening. It's one of the most popular scriptures in the Bible, one of the most well-quoted scriptures in the Bible. We're going to start off by looking at Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, and I'll read down to verse 13 in just a moment. But even before I read this, you'll see, particularly when we look at verse 13, that this is quoted everywhere. I see athletes quote this, I see people share things about this frequently online, but I don't see a lot of context given to what they're sharing. And it makes me wonder when people share Philippians verse 4 or Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, if they spend a whole lot of time reading the verses that come before it. And when you look at Philippians chapter 4 and you start with verse 11 instead of starting with verse 13, What we realize is that this scripture is trying to help us to understand the kind of contentment that we can have in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the source of contentment. And that's where I wanted to start tonight, because as we're talking about this, we're trying to frame this subject out. This is right where we want to start. We want to recognize the fact that Jesus is the source of contentment. Let me read Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 11. I'll go down to verse 13. And it says this, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, Philippians 4.13, verse 13 that I just read there, the very end of that that section, that's a portion of Scripture that people tend to, to quote as a source of motivation. I think it's a great source of motivation. But sometimes I see people quote that in the sense that they think that it means I can do whatever I want to do because Jesus will give me his power to do whatever I want to do. And that's not what that Scripture is saying. That Scripture is saying that I can do whatever Christ calls me to do through the strength that he supplies. Now, this was first written down by the Apostle Paul as the Holy Spirit inspired him to write these things down. And he was saying of his circumstances, which sometimes with short notice would change, where he would have a moment where things seemed like they were going fine, and then all of a sudden he would find himself in a spot where he was in great need. And he said, look, I, not that I'm speaking of being in need. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content." And he talks about being brought low. He talks about abounding. And he says, in every circumstance, I understand, I know the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Jesus is the source of contentment. We could be content no matter what our circumstance. Jesus is the source of contentment. Whether you're in a season of plenty, whether you're in a season of of want, Whatever season you're in, adversity or ease, Jesus is the source of contentment. So let's start there as we frame this concept tonight and talk about what contentment really looks like in the life of a growing Christian. Something else that Scripture brings out that I want to highlight for us is this. When you look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, in that portion of Scripture we're taught that the Lord's presence— is more valuable than the presence of earthly riches. Now, even before I read these, this verse for us, let me say this. Most of us are taught from an early age to value the earth's riches. And intrinsically, even if no one taught you or I to value the earth's riches, we would probably still value the earth's riches because we... Covet things that we don't have. We sometimes desire things that we don't have because we think that it's going to bring some level of value or ease or pleasure to our day to day lives. But scripture teaches us, particularly Hebrews 13 5, which I'll read in a second, it teaches us that the Lord's presence in our lives is more valuable than the presence of earthly riches. And we can be content with the Lord's presence. Look at what it says in this verse. It says, Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I think that that's an important verse to keep in mind and, and to take to heart no matter what season of life we're at, but particularly in the season that we're at right now when so many people have had their economic lives interrupted. Several months ago, right when uh, things were starting to to ramp up as far as business closures and things of that nature, I went to Red Robin, a, uh, a burger restaurant with my two sons. And I took them out to eat, and I don't remember if we were celebrating anything in particular or if I was just trying to reward them maybe for helping me with a project. I don't remember what precipitated this, uh, but I invited the two of them to just join me and we'd go out to eat, so we went to Red Robin. And while we were at Red Robin, our server came over to the table And I I said to her, I said, wow, it is empty in here. And again, this is when stuff was just starting to ramp up. And she said, yeah, I think everybody's afraid to start going out. And uh, she said, you know, I I, like this seems like it's getting worse and worse where people aren't going to be able to eat out. And that's, in fact, what happened soon after that. And then she made the comment to me. She said, if this is how things are going to be, I don't know what I'm going to do. She said, I'm a single mother. And I don't have a whole bunch of reserve finances. And my next plan is I'm going to have to start selling things uh, because if I don't sell things, I don't know how I'm going to be able to pay my bills. Now, we made a point to be as generous as as we could with our our tip that night because I think all of our hearts were impacted by what she was saying. And that was something that I actually brought uh, before my church in prayer. And somebody in our church actually put together a very generous gift that we were able to offer this server and, and uh, offer to help her out. But I, I love what this scripture tells us in Hebrews 13.5. Again, it's telling us, keep your life free from love of money. That's something that we could easily love and think that somehow if we have more money and more money— that somehow then we'll find contentment. That, but that's not what Scripture says. Scripture tells us that we can be content with the presence of the Lord because as He promises us here, he's, and this isn't the only place He says this. This is echoed elsewhere in Scripture, but it's quoted yet again here in Hebrews thirteen five. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the Lord's promise to His children. That's the Lord's promise to you and me if we know Him through Jesus Christ. I will never leave you nor forsake forsake you. He will be with us when our finances seem lean. He will be with us in seasons where we feel like our finances are fine. But the point is, we want to keep our lives free from the love of money and be content with what he's blessed us with, knowing that that his presence is more valuable than the presence of earthly riches anyway. Something else about contentment that scripture brings up, this is another scripture that was penned by the Apostle Paul. It's from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, starting with verse 6, and in a moment I'll read down to verse 8. But when I look at these verses here that I'm about to read, one of the things that, that stands out to me is the importance of keeping things simple and making sure that we don't idolize things that we were never designed to keep. Look at what 1 Timothy 6, starting with verse 6, tells us. In those verses it says, "...but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world." And we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these, we will be content. And so if you keep in mind the context that this scripture was being written in, you have the Apostle Paul giving pastoral counsel to Timothy. Timothy was someone he was mentoring. Timothy was somebody who was serving at this point in uh, pastoral ministry. And Paul is advising Timothy, and he's saying, listen, value godliness. Be godly, you know, as the Lord empowers you to to walk in godliness with contentment. And and he, he advises Timothy to recognize we didn't bring anything into the world. We're not taking anything out of this world. So don't bank how your heart feels in any given moment based on what you have in this world. But rather, just be content that the Lord supplies food and clothing for you. Be content with what the Lord supplied for you. Keep it simple. Don't idolize things you were never designed to keep. And we all know our own propensity toward idolatry, and we all know that just in general in this world, so many of us, we really struggle with this. We think that it's going to be, and we'll see this in a verse we're about to look at in just a little bit, but in this world, people think that accumulation is going to be something that ultimately produces a level of contentment. But here we're encouraged, just keep it simple. Recognize that the Lord has given you your daily bread. Give thanks to the Lord for supplying your needs in any given moment. You know, someone once said that the Lord doesn't delight in supplying our greeds. He supplies our needs. And sometimes I get greedy for things, and sometimes you probably get greedy for things. And we think we need so much more than what the Lord supplied to us. But when we look at 1 Timothy 6, we see the admonition here being, look, if you have food and clothing, be grateful, be content with what the Lord has supplied you. These, in and of themselves, are blessings that the Lord grants to his children. Now, I alluded to this in just a moment, or just a moment ago, but I want to read it to us now. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, when you look at the words that Jesus Christ stated in that portion of Scripture, we see Christ setting a foundation here that that was echoed by that verse I read from 1 Timothy 6, those verses that I read just a moment ago that Paul wrote down. But when you look at what Jesus said during the course of his earthly ministry, he spoke about the importance of contentment from illustrating the opposite option. And he shows us in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, that life is about much more than accumulation. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, Scripture tells us, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Years ago, my mother used to do home health care. And during the course of her life, when she was living, that's one of the main uh, occupations that she had. And I remember at one point, I think I was probably a junior or a senior in high school, she allowed me to go with her on one particular home visit she was doing because she wanted to introduce me to the person that she was taking care of. And The man was very wealthy, and he wasn't really able to speak properly any longer. I'm not certain exactly what had happened to him, but he had had some, something happen that robbed him of his ability to speak. I don't know if he had a stroke or something in that, in that realm. But uh, he was very much alert, very much aware, and uh, he wasn't able to walk very well. So what he would do is he would go around his lush property in a golf cart. And he looked at me when I got there and he offered me a ride in his golf cart because he wanted to show me his property. And so he took me around this expansive property on this golf cart and he's showing me this and that. And I have to be honest with you, I thought it was interesting, but I also was not as interested as I I think that man wanted me to be. I think he wanted me to just look and be amazed at the accumulation of possessions that the Lord had blessed him with, and at the end of this ride, he uh, opened up his garage, and he showed me his car, and I looked at his car, and I thought, okay, Certainly an interesting car. It was certainly a nicer car than the car that I had in high school. <laughs> I paid eight hundred dollars for my first Oldsmobile, and it didn't uh, it didn't uh, compare to this man's car. And I didn't know really what was so amazing about this car until my mother told me. She said, "Do you know what kind of car that is?" And I wasn't really sure. And I don't know if I'd ever even heard of the brand, but it was a Rolls Royce. And if you know anything about a Rolls Royce, you know that these cars can cost. 250 grand for one of these. And, and I had no concept of that. I wasn't even aware of that. Don't know what it cost at the time. But today, if you tried to buy that car, it would be somewhere around a quarter of a million dollars just for a car. So I think he expected me to be super impressed with this car. And I was polite. And I, I was like, wow, you know, this is, you know, it's a beautiful vehicle. But in my mind, the whole experience felt very sad to me because it dawned on me that this man based his value And his whole sense of self-worth was really tied to what he had accumulated through his riches. So he gave me the tour, showed me the car. I think he was trying to impress me. But when you hold that up against what Christ tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, in Luke 12, Jesus makes it very clear that life is about much more than accumulation. He tells us one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And I know so many people that spend their lives accumulating and accumulating and accumulating, thinking that maybe if they just get one more thing, that finally they're going to be in the spot where they have what they really, really need, and that then their heart will find contentment. But Christ reminds us, no, life isn't about abundance of accumulation. It's not about the abundance of possessions. Life is about much more than that. And if we want to be content, we need to recognize that what Jesus said in Luke 12, 15 is absolutely true. Something else we see in Scripture, and this is something that I hope that each of us on the call tonight and anyone who might be listening to the recording of tonight's call, um, I hope this is something we'll take to heart. And I alluded to this at the, at the opener, you know, when we opened up our discussion tonight. But I want to say it again if we're content in Christ, we can be at peace during any kind of season of life during seasons of pain and during seasons of discomfort. And the apostle Paul when he was speaking to the church at Corinth, so this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10, he explained that. And in that in that verse he said this. He says, "For the sake of Christ then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's a fascinating verse, because I don't think any of us would look at our life and say, oh Lord, I hope that in the second half of this year that you bless me with weaknesses, and that I get to experience more insults, or additional hardships, or overt persecution, or new calamities. I don't think any of us particularly want to experience those things, and if I'm honest with you, I can tell you those aren't things that, naturally speaking, I would want to experience. I doubt that you would either. But here Paul says that when I experience those things, when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. And what he's talking about here is that it's in those moments when we're blessed with a fresh reminder that we can rely on the strength and the power that Christ supplies. Sometimes we go through stretches of life where we become over-reliant on our own strength and ability. And the Lord frequently uses Moments of weakness or times when we're insulted or hardships or any of these things to remind us just how much we need Him. And Paul was saying, in the midst of those seasons, I can be content no matter what situation I'm going through because even in hardships, I'm reminded that Christ is my strength. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's saying those are the moments that remind me very clearly and very aptly that Christ is my sufficiency, that Christ is my strength. And so if we're content in Christ, we can be at peace during, during seasons of pain and discomfort. I don't know if anyone on the call tonight is going through a season of pain and discomfort. I don't know if anyone listening to this recording right now is going through a season of pain or, or discomfort, but I'd encourage you to take 2 Corinthians 12, 10 to heart because Paul says there, for when I'm weak, I am strong. I can be content in any one of these circumstances knowing that Christ is sufficient for me. That's what he was getting at, that the power of God is is shown to be sufficient to him in the midst of any circumstance. One other thing I want to mention before we open up the mics and, and go into some additional discussion, and that's this. The righteousness of Christ is the greater prize. The righteousness of the uh, the righteousness of Christ is the greater prize. Think about this. Jesus said this in Matthew six thirty three. And by the way, even before I read this, I'll say, uh, when I was ten years old, my pastor wrote this reference in the front cover of my Bible because he wanted me to refer to it often. So I do refer to it quite frequently. And uh, in Matthew six thirty three, we're told, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added." to you. So when we think about what we really need, when you think about what you need, when I think about what I need, we need to come back to this verse, Matthew 6, where it reminds us that the righteousness of Christ is the greater prize. It's greater than anything that this world supplies. It's greater than, than anything that this world offers. And it's what we should be seeking first. You know, when scripture tells us as we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, He's telling us that, that all these other things will be added to you in, in, in the sense that we'll receive greater blessing than anything that we could be supplied through earthly means. We'll receive greater greater riches in the sense that, that we're part of the kingdom of God and we have the riches of the righteousness of Christ that are given to us, that are added to our account by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the goal of your life and my life, shouldn't be to accumulate more or to think that somehow in, in gaining some additional experience or some additional possession that, that we will um, somehow find contentment through that. That's not how it works. Jesus made it clear that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to us as well. The righteousness of Christ is actually the thing that is the greater prize, and our hearts can bank on that. Now, in just a moment, we're going to open up our microphone so that we can have a time of discussion together, and uh, as I do that, I will um, start us off with just some, uh, just some question prompts here, but I'll also mention this even for the sake of those that are listening to the recording. If you're not familiar with the Healthy Discipleship Community, we have a variety of resources there that are available for you to utilize, and we hope you'll utilize them. Uh, You could go to desirejesus.com or you could go to healthydiscipleshipcommunity.com and you can check out the resources that we have there that by God's grace, we hope will help you grow in your faith. And one of the things that we have over there are the replay of our coaching calls. So this coaching call and some of the ones prior to it, you'll be able to find there in the replay section. So we hope you'll take advantage of that. But now for those of us that are joining us live tonight, I'm going to Stop my screen share. So get ready. You're about to come up on the gallery view. We're all going to be able to see one another. So all right. I see you guys. And hopefully you guys are able to see me. And um, I have a a starter question for us tonight. Nathan, it looks like you're in the midst of a a vehicle. So are you the passenger or the driver?
1: Um, I am a passenger. passenger. All right.
0: That seems much safer to my my heart. (laughs) Uh, as uh, I ask these questions here. Okay, good. You're the passenger. Um, All right. So we're talking about the power of contentment here tonight. So here's a couple starter questions for us. And by the way, feel free to jump in with any thought you have, even if it's not directly related to the questions that I'm asking. It's always fun to hear some of the thoughts and insights that the Lord gives you that can be a blessing to each of us when we talk about these subjects. But here's my starter question for whoever wants to be brave and and kind of start us off with with an answer. Uh, But for starters, here we go. What have you chased? So think about the course of your life now. This could be any season of your life. What have you chased because you were convinced you could only find contentment once you obtained it? So just think about the course of your life. What can you remember chasing? Because at that season of your life, you thought you'd only be content if you obtained it. Anyone have a thought?
2: Maybe I'd share.
0: Yeah, go for it, Paul.
2: Um, When I was younger, when I was a teenager... And then into my early twenties, um, you know, nobody could believe that I'd eventually become a priest and no less a bishop because I loved partying, and I was always chasing after. And I, I was chasing after a. You know, I always wanted to find a girl. Never seemed to have a problem with that. Um, but I never, I, you know, I, I just had, I, I, I had no desire to get married. Then I met one girl. Uh, she broke my heart, and I said, you know, I it, I just couldn't get over it, but that was when God decided to put my wife in my life, and uh, when I, you know, when you least expect it. So, uh, uh, I was chasing, and then when I stopped chasing, then God put somebody special into my life, and we've been sharing, what, 39 years now.
0: That's fantastic. Isn't that funny how that works? You know, when you're When you finally get to the spot where you can say, I'm content that I have Jesus, then sometimes he gives you the other thing that you wanted too, but he wanted to wait till your heart was content with him. So you didn't make the other thing an idol. That's great. Someone else, feel free to jump in. Let's see if we could help Carol unmute. There we go. Carol, I I tried to unmute you. I don't know if it worked. Nope, it didn't work. You're going to have to unmute yourself. Unmute. There you go. We hear you. All right. I guess
3: I've lived a very boring life. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been content.
0: You've always been content. All right. I've
3: always been content. I was fortunate. I had a Pentecostal grandmother, and um, she brought me to the Lord. When I was maybe three years old, she used to go to the school yard. We lived near a school and she, you couldn't do that today. She would go to the schoolyard when the kids were getting out of school and she'd say, come to my house. This is going back 50 some years. Come to my house. I have cookies and juice. So the kids would all pile in her house because I lived in the city, Mayfair. Yep. And Mayfair was nice and not like it is today. Okay, So, but before the kids got their cookies and juice, you had to see a flannel board and learn a Bible story about Jesus. So I was fortunate that that were in that way. I mean, I've had ups and downs in my life, but I learned at a young age to always be content. And I know that Jesus was always there or God was always there to get me through any hardships I've had. Wonderful. And that, you know, was just sounds great. like you
0: had a good grandmother too. That's yeah. a real blessing.
3: Yeah. Right.
0: I, uh, you gotta love grandmothers.
3: They're
0: mm-hmm. yes. the best. <laughs> they really are. That's good. That's a great testimony of your grandmother. Um, all right. Here, here's another question for us tonight. Is a simple life a good life? Is a simple life a good life? What do you think? Is a because you remember what Paul was saying to Timothy, right? saying that this idea of be content with food and clothing you know if you have food and clothing you can be content with that your your daily bread has been supplied so is a simple life a good life uh you know what do you think about that statement or that question even you know it's kind of a broad question to be so short but is a simple life a good life who wants to take a bite at that one Don't be too quiet on me tonight. You guys are taking too much time.
3: (laughs) I would say a simple life's a good life because the more you accumulate, then when things go in the other direction. I've had people say to me just during this pandemic and they're out of work, I'm not used to living like this. I'm accustomed accustomed, accustomed to living a better lifestyle than this. Uh And hey, you know, in fact, one to my sister. (laughs) <laughs> she drives me crazy when she says that what's a better lifestyle you know I know how we were raised as kids normal we didn't have you know but she always made a lot of money and spent a lot of money right and now she's had to back off a little and um, she's not liking her lifestyle so she's not accused, accustomed to living like this And I you have food on your table you're paying your bills what more do you need
0: yeah that's true that's true Who else wants to chime in? Is a simple life a good life? I have a story I'm going to tell you, but I want to wait till I hear your answers first. All right, Nathan, go for it.
1: Um, I would say that it definitely can be. Um, I don't think that it's like exclusively the only good way to go, but um, I really don't see anything wrong with that. As long as you have really what you need to survive so you need some form of income um you obviously need sustenance but i mean really beyond that you don't you don't need too much and if you're a person that it's beneficial to you or you can handle more or even you want to do more don't do anything wrong with that but um i also don't see a problem with like simplifying your schedule and what you do i I noticed even more recently um i still do social things every now and then but most days my day consists of whatever tasks i want for myself um i exercise i do whatever bible things that i do for the day and then free time and i mean that, that's essentially it and it's it's not that bad sometimes you want to do a little more and that's when i'll go out or do whatever just to throw some variety in but um in and of itself it's really not that bad if anything it alleviates a lot of stress that comes with a more busy lifestyle
0: yeah good point good point Mm -hmm. anyone else want to chime in on that is a simple life a good life all right here's my story for you feel free to chime in though if you've if you've been waiting feel free to interrupt um friend of mine probably one of the wealthiest people I know, but you would never know, you would never know that to, to see him. You would never know that to, to meet him. Um, he, he doesn't he do anything flashy like at all. Every time I see him, he's primarily just wearing a t-shirt and jeans. Um, he lives in, uh, his home is nice, but it's modest. Um, He and he decided, I'm going to prioritize raising my children and experiences with my family, but I'm not going to spend my life just trying to accumulate things. And he said it was like an epiphany to him somewhere along the way when it dawned on him how just how content he could be with living simply, even after he obtained the means. I mean, he could, he could. I guess, now I don't know his exact financial situation, but I, I have a good guess. And uh, he, he could live pretty lavishly from what I understand if he chose, but he said, you know what? I, can be, I, I could be content with simpler things. And there's just a part of me that is not, he says it's not drawn toward trying to find some level of satisfaction for my heart through the accumulation of more. He, he's become convinced it won't work. It's not going to satisfy my heart. So he, he said, why, why do it? And uh, I found that fascinating because I think most people would look at his situation and say, oh, if only I could have the wealth that this man has, then I would finally be content. And here you talk to somebody who's actually achieved that level of wealth. And he said, no, I don't do that. And in fact, what he's actually decided to do is just be really generous <laughs> with the wealth that the Lord's blessed him with. He lives a simple life. He blesses his wife and their children, and uh, he blesses other people as, as he's enabled to do so. And it's just become clear to him that the accumulation of more, it's like what Jesus said in Luke 12, you know, life does not consist in the abundance of things, in the, in the accumulation of things. And uh, so I've got a friend who could accumulate if he really wanted to, and instead he's choosing to bless instead of accumulating. I, I, to me, it stands out as a really good example. And so I I don't know how he would answer the question is a simple life, a good life. But I think in some ways I would suspect that he would give that an affirmative. I think he would probably say, yeah, you know, I mean, given the options. All right, here, here's another question for us. I I had, I wanted to, Oh, James, go for it. Yeah. Well, my question about
2: that would be, would it be fair to say that if, if, if all these things make this person feel that they're happy that they have to really question where they stand with the Lord meaning fair, like it, is if, that a fair is that a fair question i mean if 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 you really have the Holy Spirit in you are you know these things aren't i just don't see where these material things are going to make somebody happy I,
0: right I just don't think it's possible, yeah, like the true true level of joy, the true level of contentment mm-hmm. can't be based on something worldly, right? It can't be based on something that that can be taken away. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, if if our whole sense of joy is based on or tied to those things, then that means we've now, we've tethered our sense of personal well-being to something that can easily go. Uh, My mother, when she was Oh, I want to say she was maybe in ninth grade or 10th grade. She lived in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And uh, there was a great flood that came through that area that ravaged the entire area. And the water was so high, it went up onto the second floor of her home, which meant all the things that they had brought upstairs trying to at least save some of their furniture and pictures and possessions while they were trying to flee, and they didn't have much time Uh, They they put it all up on the second floor, but the water came through so high it covered the second floor, too, which was really, really sad. And I I think to myself, you know, if my mother's sense of well-being, if my mother's sense of uh, of, you know, just satisfaction was tied to her possessions, Mm -hmm. she lost it all. She went through an experience young in life as a teenager where her family lost literally everything. The only thing that was left was the shell of their house. They had to gut the house and throw away all their possessions. Mm -hmm. My grandfather, when he tried to walk into the house after the floodwaters receded, he couldn't get the front door open, and he couldn't figure out what was wrong. Why can't he get the front door open? And finally, they were able to push it through just a crack, and they noticed that the bookshelf that they had behind that door, all the books had become waterlogged and were just like a pile of mush right there, all the paper from the books were like a pile of mush holding their door closed. And he said that he had to reach in through that crack that he opened up and pull out like a pile of paper mush for a long time before they were ever even even able to get back into the house. And then they finally cleared that out and walked in. And if their contentment wasn't in Christ, their sense of contentment was in their possessions. Well, in a single moment, they lost everything. And, uh, you know, our contentment shouldn't be tied to something that could be taken away. It 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 actually kind of
2: brings to mind, like I've heard stories that uh, during this recent uh, economic shutdown during the pandemic, that they've they've had a pretty much like a year's worth
0: of suicides in in a lot of places. They have. I have heard that many a time. Yeah. Um, There was they did an interview. So I'm in the state of Pennsylvania. They just did an interview on one radio show with the person who is he's a county coroner, but he's in charge of the coroner's association for the state of Pennsylvania. And he was talking about the increased level of suicides that have happened uh, just in the first quarter of the year here in Pennsylvania. He said it's uh, basically I'm paraphrasing, but it was unlike anything he has seen in his years of uh, serving in that role. And he's overseeing the whole state in regard to that role. And you look at that and you realize, you know, the the alcoholism, how that's increased, the suicides, how that's increased. And you, you begin to realize that some of that is probably highly tied to, I'm sure much of it is tied to the fact that people were trying to find their sense of well-being, their sense of satisfaction in things that could be taken away. And for those of us that are believers in Christ, we don't want to tie our sense of well-being or satisfaction to something that can be taken away from us. And that's what Christ was trying to drive home to us in what he was saying, right? Paul, I see you unmuted there. Uh, what are your thoughts?
2: I was just going to say that um, uh, just this discussion reminds, reminds me that uh, it also has something to do with this generation. Uh, it, it, when you were talking about your grandparents, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about my grandparents. I think about the beginnings of our church. Uh, these were with the people who started people that where your family grew up, they were all coal miners they didn 't have anything, mm-hmm. and yet when they were starting their churches, they would actually uh, mortgage their homes, mortgage everything they had, just so that they could build a church mm-hmm. and uh, These were people who came as immigrants are coming uh, to the United States now. They come with nothing. So whatever they have is way more than what they had before. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a different perspective that a second or a third generation like uh, like us who have uh, never had to go, go through a uh, Great Depression, never had to experience uh, the immigration process, never have to wonder, can I get through Ellis Island? And when I get through, is there Really, a family member that's going to be waiting for me mm. on the other side to give me a chance. They, they, they had nothing, so they didn't. They, the concept of possessions, uh, I won't say it was foreign to them, but it was different. And uh, they were also a much more faithful people. I think society today is very secular. I mm-hmm. can do it myself. I can do it on my own, and what's happening is we looked at society and society doesn't have the answers and unless they're grounded in faith uh then you find uh they don't know where to turn to and uh, suicides and so forth result the big drug dependence now yeah uh, that was that was that's something it was always there but in a much smaller uh capacity but now with with the, the wealth that uh you know it it's 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 a completely different time
0: yeah yeah you're absolutely right there's a definitely a, a generational uh like a generational aspect that's worth noting in the midst of this just being mindful of the times in which we live in And the lack of hardship that many of us have experienced up to this point. Your perspective is different if you've lived a life of relative ease and comfort for a long period of time, and you've already seen, you know, you've had a lot of things already supplied and provided, versus if you've gone through your life with very little and you've realized that you could still find joy and still be content Mm -hmm. in Christ, whether or not you have the best things of this world. And I have to tell you, I think there's a healthy aspect of what's going on right now that's reminding me of these truths. Because there are certain creature comforts that I like that I can't enjoy right now. Places that I like to go, um, places I just like to go and grab some food, <laughs> you know, th- things like that that have been gone and out of my life for several months, and I, I miss them. And uh, in a very real sense, it's like the Lord's offering us a fast from the things that maybe we were overly dependent on. And he's saying, you know, a redemptive way you could use this time is if you just be reminded of the fact that we could be content in him, even when some of those things, those creature comfort type things temporarily go away. Here's a a question I'll I'll be very interested to hear some of your responses to. And it's maybe a little bit biographical. But have you let something go, that was robbing you of contentment? What have you let something go that was robbing you of contentment? Anyone have an experience like that that maybe you could share and give us a little insight of what that experience was like for you? One of you let something go that was robbing you of contentment?
4: I, I could speak to that and, and, and I, I would say that uh I didn't actually let it go. Uh God removed it. Uh I went through a three year period of like twenty four seven drug addiction and alcoholism from two thousand two to two thousand five. At the end of that end of that uh dark spot in my life, I was uh arrested and put in jail and I sat there for six months on a detainer. So pretty much everything was removed that I had in my life. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get into a testimony here, but I can say when I heard everybody else share, and I, uh, of course I'm late coming on here because I'm wrapping something up at the church that gets done around 8.30 mm-hmm. and I try to rush to get on the call here. But uh, when I was into the Bible and I read through the Bible, actually the Catholic Bible, and there's a couple extra books in there that aren't in our uh, 66 book Bible, I read through it cover to cover three or four times, and uh, Ecclesiastes is what struck me, uh, and I, I consider it to be in a, uh, sometimes I still get in the Ecclesiastes frame of mind of like, what's it all worth? You know, you toil your whole life to build up what you have, and somebody else gets it, and you you strive for knowledge, and... Then, your knowledge isn 't worthwhile well because you realize as the more you know you the more you know that you don 't know kind of things and then coming out of that circumstance, everything I had in the world previous to that point was removed, and I spent a period of time like gilligan's Island with no phone, no light, no motor car, not a single luxury and and now Man, I look back on that as like the best time. It was just me and the Lord and my little battery for reading scripture at night. And everything was removed. So I really relate when Paul talks about Mm -hmm. having much Mm -hmm. and having little and being content in it all. Because now that I have been, uh, like before I threw everything away at that uh, that, uh, horrific addiction that I went into, I had three businesses running. I had six figures in the bank. I baked, I had my villa down in Mexico that I used to go to every year. And like, and then I had nothing and I've had both. And uh, now I'm a minimalist at heart.
0: <laughs> and
4: so, right, what uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes is be, uh be content with the food you eat and worship in the Lord. And I think about give us this day, our daily bread mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, uh, the rest of it's all gravy, and that complicates things. There was a long period of time where I chose to only work by myself instead of having a crew, and I did just the absolute minimum to keep my peace and serenity. And, uh, of course, God puts stuff and people in your life, and now I'm a pastor, and I got a church family, and I got ministry obligations. And sometimes I look back at the good old days, as when I had that little lantern light that I would charge up during the day when I was working at someone's house. And all I had was to read my scripture. Couldn't worry about dating or anything because uh, I couldn't invite a girl to come over and let's watch the cobwebs form and different things of that nature. <laughs> I God removed everything to show me. And I think it's it's apparent that when, when all you have is the Lord, that you know that, that that is all that you need. And I got to that point and I thank him every day for that. So
0: that's, that's a a great testimony. It's, and it's wonderful, you know, in the moment as the Lord was facilitating that in your life, you're probably terrified in in the first respect. And then after a little while, why why you, that's right. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're realizing Jesus is sufficient. He's sufficient. Mm -hmm. You know, there you are. You you have your, you have your scriptures, you're, you're, you know, reading his word, internalizing the truth of his word and, Spending your time in prayer with Him and realizing, you know, I had I had all the stuff that the world offered, and all it did was get me in, you know, in, in more trouble and and you know, despair and and all of that. It didn't it didn't fill the void, and uh, Christ fills the void.
4: Yeah, that and that's exactly right. All I wanted out of life, all I ever wanted out of life, was more, and the only way you succeed is excess. Like, that's all the things I lived by, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing now that the reality of things is completely opposite because I was totally into the world and all its trappings, and mm-hmm. now you, you can have all that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it didn't work. You, you could keep it. <laughs> that's great. Great testimony. Anyone else have an example from their life of a time when, when you let something go that was robbing you of contentment?
4: That's someone calling in to let something go.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It might be. It might be. <laughs> I had, uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick example that I can remember from my uh, senior year of high school. I was driving a, a Dodge Aries. And uh, does anyone remember the look of the Dodge Aries? very boxy car, but I liked it. (laughs) And, uh, I, I, uh, I bought one that was in good shape. It had low miles. Um, it was a a reconditioned car, you know, a repaired car and, um, it had been in an accident, but they fixed it up nice. And, uh, and so I, I would, I drove it around my senior year and I got to a point where I realized I had the car to get to work and I worked so I could pay for the car. And I never had time to just sit. I worked before school. So I had a a paper route that I would do before school. And then after school, I worked at my father's store. And then on weekends, I worked with a camping ministry that has retreats up in in, uh, the Poconos. And, And so I would work three jobs so I could pay for the car and just prayed that the car wouldn't break because I didn't have anything extra uh, to actually afford that car. And uh, I remember two weeks before I graduated high school saying to my dad, dad, I think I need to sell my car. And he said, what, what do you mean? You're gonna go, you're, you're about to go off to college. You're gonna do this without a car? I was like, well, here's my deal. I work to have the car and I have the car so I could get to work. And all I'm doing is burning myself out because I think that I have to have this car to be content. And I think I just need to get rid of this car so I can kind of get my life back. And he said, I, he told me he thought I was crazy. <laughs> and, uh, but he helped me find somebody that was interested in buying the car and they bought the car and they loved it. And I loved being free of the burden of trying to pay for it. And I, I went through my first couple of years of, of uh, college without a car. And I didn't buy a car again until I got hired Carol, you'll appreciate this when your church hired me to be their youth director when I was in college. So I know you remember that time. Uh, But yeah, I knew I needed a car to get there. And I bought a really, really cheap, but reliable car. And I drove that car for years. And I never had a repair of any significance. I had to put a muffler on it once, but because the old muffler rusted out, but that was it. I never had to do a single other thing to it. I drove it for years. It got 40 some miles to the gallon and it was fantastic. And it, you know, I was actually able to afford it, but that was years later. I had to be content that, you know what, I don't need to spend my life living my life thinking that a car is somehow going to, uh, you know, make my life meaningful. And so that was something that the Lord showed me that I needed to let something go. It was robbing me of contentment. I needed to let it go. James, I see your comment in the in the chat there. Your parents had an 86 Plymouth Reliant. Yeah, same car, Dodge Aries, Plymouth Reliant. They were same thing, same exact thing. I think mine, mine was in the 80s somewhere. I'm trying to remember what year it was. It was right around in that same range. So, Well, wonderful. Well, thank you guys for sharing your insights tonight and uh, all the things that you shared. And, and uh, we're looking forward to doing this again. Next Thursday, like I said, at some point here we may have to switch the night we 're doing this on for right now. I think Thursdays are still going to work, uh, but um, at some point, if that happens obviously i 'll let you know i 'll make sure that that 's shared via email and posted uh, online via my social accounts. But thank you guys for your your insights and for sharing and for those of you that are listening to the recording. Uh, we'll have this, we have this available online. Obviously, if you're listening to it right now, that means you found it. <laughs> but don't hesitate to follow us over at desirejesus.com or at healthydiscipleshipcommunity.com as well. Have a great night, everybody.